The views expressed in this program are those of the individual participants and not necessarily those of WVUD or the University of Delaware. WVUD and UD Information Technologies present Campus Voices, conversations with University of Delaware faculty, staff, and students about their teaching, research, service projects, and other interests. To introduce today's guest, here's your host, Richard Gordon, manager of the IT Communication Group at the University of Delaware. This is the first ever bilingual episode of Campus Voices. I collaborate on it with my good friend, Guillermina Gonzalez. Thank you so much for your assistance. Hey, a, a pleasure. I think this is this is a magnificent experience. I'm just learning from a monster in a good sense, Mario Vargas Llosa. It's an experience that we both treasured and learned. It was remarkable to be there talking with a Nobel Prize laureate whom you know, we both have admired for decades. That's right. That's right. I think um, um, it was particularly interesting learning about the creative process, uh, how humble he is. And then you uh, come to the realization that when it comes to these icons of the literature, at the end of the day, they're human beings and they are, their motivations are similar to ours in many ways. It's just that in his case, he has the mind of expressing in written paper, as he said, in a way that probably you and I cannot do. You'll hear my conversations in English with Mario Vargas Llosa, the 2010 Nobel Laureate in Literature. And when he starts speaking with Guillermina in Spanish, Guillermina has kindly translated into English for us that portion of the conversation. Thank you so much, Guillermina. Thank you seems that a lot of your early writing came out of sort of your reaction to what was going on in Peru mm -hmm. um, in terms of both your own life and what was going on in the government. Right. Yes. Well, uh, I think in, in my case, as in many other writers, my main source of, uh, let's say, inspiration are my personal experiences uh, particularly in my, my first books, uh, I think the, the origin, the basic idea for a short story or for a novel was something that uh, happened to me or something that I, I heard or something uh, with which in one way or another I was involved. Uh, and this has, I think, um, being always the point of departure of all the fictions that I have written. That doesn't mean that everything I write is purely autobiographical, not at all. But the point of departure is something that is intimately related to my, my life, yes. Then in 1958, I think it was, you took a trip into the jungle, mm -hmm. and that seemed to influence your writing for quite a time. Uh, well, I went to the to the jungle for the first time long before that. It was in '58, when I was at the point of uh, departure to Europe to make oh, okay. uh, postgraduate studies in in Madrid, and uh, it was then that I went to the to the Amazon jungle for a few weeks, and this was probably the most uh, fertile 
traveling that I have ever had because uh, because of this uh, travel, because of the experiences that I had during these weeks uh, traveling in the in the Amazon jungle, I got ideas that uh, still now are enriching my my memory with images that are in a way or other uh, use in in my fiction yes particularly my second novel for example the greenhouse mm -hmm. i wrote it because i went to the amazon i discovered this uh, huge uh, region that uh, i i didn't know and and this uh, revealed to me a a very rich, very diverse, very dramatic to world within the the Peruvian society that uh, still is a fascinating uh, and a, a very rich source of inspiration for my writing. One of the remarks that you've made that really struck me was about how literature has consequences that there are consequences in the real world mm -hmm. for literature. And I really like that because it talks about sort of how what you write or what an artist paints has an effect and a relationship with the world outside of art. Oh, I am convinced that uh, literature and art in general has consequences in, in life, in history. Uh, it's very difficult, you know, to detect and to measure exactly the nature of these consequences. But I am absolutely convinced that, uh, that uh, my, my personality would be much poorer th than what it is if I hadn't uh, read uh, Tolstoy, Cervantes, uh, everything that I have read. And uh, No, I think uh, good literature enriches your life in a very different way kind of ways, uh, enrich your language, enrich your sensibility, enrich uh, your imagination, uh, gives you uh, incitations to um, uh, to have uh, desires, appetites, uh, and in this sense I think literature and, and, and art in, in general develops in, uh, in you a critical spirit about uh, the world in which you are living. Uh, I think this uh, exposure to coherence and perfection is something that uh, develops in you a very critical attitude towards the world as it is. Uh, and that is the reason, I think, why in history all the regimes that have try to control entirely the life of citizens mm -hmm. since the beginning until the end have, have been very suspicious of literature and have uh, established systems of censorship, of control because they had the idea that in literature there was something dangerous and threatening for this uh, ambition of total control of life. And I think they were right. I think literature is very um, uh, rebellious to this kind of total planification, total control of, of life. Huh? <coughs> while, while you're on campus visiting us, we happen to have 
um, a collection of Goya's prints from Goya's prints. Yeah, when when he when the ones he made privately um, while Napoleon's army was had <laughs> occupied Spain, and you can really see in there. There's a like this nexus between his personal response and the events that he's depicting. An intimate, intimate uh, relationship. I think so. I think that uh, is a very interesting example of how uh, painting is also not only a, a, a creation, but also an expression of uh, what is going wrong in the, in the world. Uh, uh, sometimes this, is, uh, this criticism is very explicit, Sometimes it's uh, symbolic and direct. Uh, but I think what is important is that uh, when you see the paintings of paintings of, of Goya, um, I think you understand better what is sufferance, uh, what is uh, a world that is totally incapable of satisfying all the longings, uh, all the, the, the desires, the aspirations of, of people. Uh, I think art and literature are ex expressions of everything that uh, lacks in the world to make people totally happy. Hmm? <laughs> uh, here you are sitting talking with us as an artist, a Nobel Prize laureate. But you ran for president of Peru. I did. That was a, a very... Eccentrical experience in my life. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I never, I never thought of myself as a politician. Although, although I have been always involved in the political debate, I think this is part of the responsibility of any citizen huh? uh, in a in a democratic society. But I, I never had the the uh, appetite for being a professional politician. This was very exceptional. It was because um, my country was experiencing at that time a very, very difficult crisis, uh, political, e economical. Uh, and uh, I was, in a way, pushed uh, by circumstances to have a, a political role. But uh, I did it without much enthusiasm. And what I learned of this experience was that I was... Uh, lacking everything that a politician needs to be successful. <laughs> <laughs> so you found that there was quite a gap between participating in the political debate, in your journalism, talking about political themes in your literature, and then standing before the voters. Well, there are cases. Huh? There are some cases of uh, intellectuals, of writers, that uh, cases of very good writers that at the same time were the, were very, uh, let's say, efficient politicians. Huh? Baclav Havel, for example, is mm -hmm. a very right. interesting case. He was a very good playwright and very intelligent essayist, uh, also a, a musician. Huh? And at the same time, he played a very, very important role mm -hmm. in the democratization of his country. So there are examples. Huh? But I don't think this is my case. <laughs> <laughs> Vamos a cambiar español. Muy bien, vamos a la española. I'm going to continue with the conversation that began Richard. Let's go to Mario Vargas Llosa. 
What inspires Mario to write? What invites him to write, take the pen, go to the computer and begin writing? What is the motive? Just a small, just a small correction. I do not write in, in computer, but with pen. I'm probably the only, the, the one of the last that I use paper, pen, and ink to write. I go to the computer afterwards, but the origin is always in paper. I began doing that. I mean, that's the way I began, and I keep on doing it. I love the touch, the feel of paper. And then eventually, when corrections are needed, I, I go to the computer. But the first occasion is always. I think it's going to disappear after me. Younger generations might not use the paper. That's, that's my, my, my lecture. I'm explaining my vocation, how I began writing, the, the tremendous pleasure that gives me a write. Reading uh, enriched my life and gave me many reasons and meanings. This is the origin. I was not just happy reading, but I began writing. And later on, as I said at the beginning, for the most part, my experiences have provided my ideas, my characters, situations that then become novels and fiction and, and, and things. In my case, like many other writers, memories play a huge role. Okay. Joan Balingit, the poet laureate of the state of Delaware, she said that in order to write, it is important to turn off the editor and let, let the, the thinking flow freely to really write what uh, you are experiencing. Is that the case for Mario Vargallosa? Each writer is different. Each one has his own themes and things that move them, that expresses the human expression in many different ways. In my case, yes. There's always an initial attitude that takes advantage of the subjective world of the images that go back to my memories. In some occasions... It, it, it provokes my, my, my need of writing. Once I begin working, it is important the discipline, to persevere. I have difficulties to write. I rewrite quite a lot. And I enjoy that profoundly, rewriting more than writing for the first time. That part of the work is a lot more rational, got to be with the discipline, but the point of departure is always intuition, something very subjective. 
By discipline, and the idea begins. No, 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 no I don't. I, when I have an idea, I take some notes, uh, and I let time passes by. If the idea passes the proof of time, then I begin working. I, I develop some diagrams, some schemes. I never write down without having a scheme, an idea of things before writing. And then the first version is always the one that takes me a lot of time. It's typically very chaotic, it's not clear. Once I have that first version, I begin writing and rewriting. And that's the part of the work that I profoundly enjoy. Once I have the impression that the story is in there, and, and, and in my case, I just have to carve out the idea and, 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 the, and the, the story. Richard mentioned the pendulum of uh, you going from politics to writing. Some individuals think that Mario Vargas Llosa is probably the most uh, politician of the writers. Your comments in some occasions have caused some uneasiness. In what moment the writer goes to politics? You know what? Is is They are not so different. They are very much alike. For writers of my generation, they are very close. It might change in the future, but for the time being and my generation, that's the way it's been. Today, politics seems to be dirty, and, and, and writing is not shouldn't be combined with these things. But in my generation, we grew up in, in, in a very politicized environment with inequalities all over the place. It was impossible not to write and... and present what was happening in our countries. Social problems are, are, were part of the way we wrote. At the same time, great literature reflects social reality and political reality particularly when it comes to novel. Novels reflect reality in social environments. It's impossible to just carve out politics from social environments. They are very much intertwined because it affects so many individuals. I've always thought that literature cannot be used as a political instrument, because those ideas, political ideas, can kill spontaneity. What I want to do is to give a message when I give a lecture. A novel is sometimes less depending on realities. El advenimiento del Internet trae 
What happens with the advent of the Internet? In some, it uh, brings some difficulties, but for Mario Vargas Llosa, the most important for, for another writers can make or bring difficulties. What does Mario Vargas Llosa think that the advent of the Internet affect writers? In reality, we don't really know. There hasn't been so much time that we can have a real perspective uh, if the Internet is truly affecting the writer's world. We don't really know what the web means. We don't know if that is actually going to change the reality of literature. Probably it's going to be the exact same thing. I think that the Internet and, and the new... Uh, Audiovisual revolution has been very helpful, important, has expanded information, knowledge, saves time, makes difficult the, the existence of censorship. We don't know if it's going to be positive or negative yet. It's too soon to say. Maybe what is going to happen is literature is going to be written for films and this kind of industry. I, I, I wonder if it's going to be the same thing. I have my worries if the film industry uh, undermines literature. Television produces entertainment, and I'm afraid that that might affect eventually literature, trivializing the concept of literature. If books disappear and films remain, literature is, is a wonderful entertainment. There's something about the Mario Vargas Llosa's themes. Have you had something that you haven't written about? Well, I'm still writing, and I still have the inspiration. Is there something that you might want to write that you haven't written? Well, yes, but I'm keep on working. Could you talk a little bit for us in English about how, you talk a little bit with us about how the Internet is affecting your life as a writer? Well, I think the Internet has enriched very much communication. It's knowledge. It's very difficult today, for example, uh, to establish total control of the information. We, 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 we see what is happening, you know, in, in China, uh, in Cuba. And, uh, the Internet uh, uh, is, is there uh, acting very effectively against the, the, the systems of control. Uh, and this, of course, is wonderful because I think freedom of expression, freedom of criticism is essential. It's, it's very, very important for the uh, for the evolution, no? The problem starts, I think, when you consider that 
it may be that books, paper books disappear and uh, be totally replaced by screens. Hmm? Uh, the question is, the literature written for the screens would be the same that the literature that was written for books, for paper books? I wonder. I am a bit afraid of the possibility that literature written for the screens would be only entertainment and uh, in this kind of literature may disappear all the uh, rational intellectual dimension that I think is as important as the inter purely enter entertainment fact uh, in, in literature. And I, I am worried with this uh, uh, because if you think what has happened with the TV, TV is extraordinary, potentially very rich right. for creativity. Mm -hmm. But in fact, TV has produced only entertainment, great entertainment, but only entertainment, something very ephemerous and very conformist, very conformist. Uh, if literature become only entertainment, I think that will be extremely dangerous for the future of, of mankind, because particularly this aspect that I think is intimately related to literature, the development of critical spirit in a, in a society will disappear. So power will have the possibility to suppress entirely any kind of critical attitudes toward what the power represents and, and is. It's a, a question that is difficult to uh, solve. We, we don't know, we don't have experience enough of, of the Internet to know if this may be the case or not. I think there is a risk. Uh, I think it's inevitable because the Internet is there and will be more and more important as an instrument of expression. Uh, but the effects, I think, uh, we still don't know what limit will they reach. Huh? I'm Kelly Flynn with The Review. Um, our local newspaper, the school's newspaper. I was reading in your Nobel Prize speech, you kind of said writing stories isn't easy was a big section of your speech, so I'm kind of curious what your writing process is like. Does it involve a lot of editing, or like, you know, what? It, how do you sort of approach starting a story and going through to completion? Well, it's a very long process, you know. First I have an idea, uh, this idea... Uh, remains there. Um, I I like this idea to pass the proof of time. Huh? If this idea remains for weeks, months, then I start to work. Uh, but I I never start writing before I I have a plan. Very general, but for me it's very, very important to have an idea of what would be the, sto the story, how the story will start, uh, develop, uh, uh, di di diversify, and then 
uh, end. This is for me very, very important. When I have this general idea, even if after I change everything, but I need this uh, general schema to start writing. And then I start writing and I do uh, always a first version, a draft, which is for me the most difficult aspect of writing. The first version is very, very difficult. It's a, it's a fight against uh, insecurity. No? Then when I have this draft more or less finished, everything changes. I start to really enjoying what I'm doing. I, I rewrite, I correct, I cut, I add. Uh, uh, and this uh, gives me really great, great pleasure because I have the... Um, confidence that the story is there, that it depends very much on my perseverance, uh, working, rewriting. Um, and this is more or less the process that everything that I have written has followed. No? Very well. Thank you very much. You are very welcome. Really okay. appreciate it. Thanks for listening to Campus Voices, a collaboration between WVUD, the broadcast voice of the University of Delaware, and UD Information Technologies. The views expressed on this program are those of the individual guests and do not necessarily reflect the official views or policies of WVUD, UD Information Technologies, or the University of Delaware. For more information about Campus Voices and to find archive copies of this and other episodes, visit our website, Using all lowercase letters, go to www.udel.edu slash campusvoices. We invite you to tune in every Thursday morning at 8.30 for Campus Voices on 91.3 FM, WVUD, and WVUD HD1, Newark, or online at wvud.org.